Chapter twenty seven of Miss Pym's Camouflage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Pym's Camouflage by Lady Dorothy Stanley. Chapter twenty seven. Miss Pym, as she walked to Courtray, though suffering acutely in body and in mind, felt no anger at her fate. Her life had been the forfeit. She had played and lost. She must now pay. But she did grieve over the failure to help her country she had obtained most valuable information which her death made it impossible to pass on no one would know what had become of her sir hugh douglas staff might guess but nothing would ever be said leslie would only hear that auntie purr was missing such thoughts alternated with sharp spasms of pain in her arm and an increasing sensation of weakness miss pym tried to brace herself and to prepare her mind for death she knew that physical collapse would appear to be abject fear and yet miss pym was surprised to feel no fear in hindenburg's clutch she had felt the terror of some small animal in the grip of a monster but now walking to courtrai with these dull stolid german soldiers all fear of her impending fate had departed only the longing remained to die with dignity as the worthy descendant of the pyms should die to be english to the end koitzik had thought death gentle and desirable he had seen nothing dreadful in dying but miss pym could not bring herself to feel this she was a happy woman and loved life but it was up to her to die calmly so by the time she entered the parade plots miss pym was able to walk towards a building which she knew must be the drill hall and standing there to await her fate she was kept there some little time whilst the recruits were being fetched three officers came to her and one offered her a chair he spoke english and asked her whether she had anything to say miss pym shook her head but she begged for a glass of water the officer sent a soldier for water and again advised her to die sitting miss pym assured him that she would be able to stand and begged as a last favour that her eyes be not bandaged nor her hands tied then the water came and as she drank new life crept into her veins it was as though she drank some potent elixir she handed the mug to the soldier with a smile life was good and unending death was only an episode she saw crowds of soldiers marching on to the plots all those men coming to see an englishwoman die she said to the officer who had given her the water it is very good of them to turn out thus to do me honour the officer frowned you must now stand here straight up against this wall he said when i drop this handkerchief the men will shoot miss pym saw twenty men advance the officers moved aside and miss pym faced twenty rifles i must die game i must hold up my head for england she straightened herself and like a flash came to her the thought one more try for invisibility she felt the thrill as she threw back her head then seeing the officer drop the handkerchief she flung herself down quite flat invisible a volley was fired and miss pym wriggled aside only standing up when out of range the scene was indescribable 
short sharp barks of command soldiers tearing up at the double the officers examining the dust where miss pym had dragged herself men were sent running all over the parade plots soldiers were marched up to surround it miss pym did not attempt to leave she would pass out with the officers when it was clear to them that miss pym had really disappeared they left walking slowly in deepest gloom they knew themselves broken men hindenburg might even take their lives in exchange for miss pym's and miss pym was free in the streets of courtrai before repairing to the hotel where she had left all her papers she visited several pharmacies hoping to find iodine and bandages to dress her wounded arm but she could only obtain a little boracic lint in a draper's shop however she carried off a cambric undergarment which torn in strips made a serviceable bandage dressing her aching and inflamed arm as well as she could in the hotel bedroom she now found that tossing her canvas bundle on to the wardrobe was easier than getting it down which necessitated the careful balancing of a chair on a table and herself on the chair with a mutilated arm this was no easy feat but miss pym with infinite caution succeeded in lowering herself and her precious bundle to the floor her one thought was to fly from courtrai she had a superstitious dread of meeting hindenburg again if by any dreadful accident her visibility again returned at courtrai she would be shot at sight better to sleep in the woods or in barns on her way to the british lines feeling miserably ill and tearful miss pym slowly made her way out of courtrai by compass she had supplied herself with the necessary food from the hotel kitchen the straps over her shoulders caused much pain in the wounded arm outside the town she advanced towards the setting sun with teeth set after all she asked herself what is this to the pain many of our boys are enduring without a murmur then the remembrance of hindenburg's plan flashed on her brain that plan screwed up into a ball which she had thrust inside her dress the official map had been taken from her but this sketch map this plan which might succeed with secrecy and celerity she carried it on her what a treasure to give sir hugh douglas here was something of immense importance to the commander-in-chief she must cross over to the british lines as quickly as possible miss pym stood on a little wooded eminence away to the northwest ran the railway and the sinking sun shone red upon the lines from courtrai and made them appear two thin streams of blood she decided to follow those lines until they brought her to some station where she might entrain along the track she walked doggedly determined to keep on till she reached the station of Eula which was crowded with reserves going to the front there she heard of a great battle men like demented creatures were pouring into fuel the wounded and the dead were said to be beyond computation and whole divisions were said to be prisoners the fresh troops from courtrai going to the front were in trucks unending chains of trucks reaching to the far distance in both directions carriages were being joined together with a crashing jar 
Carriages were being uncoupled, train-loads of wounded returning, the troops going out from Courtrai hailing their broken comrades, who replied with groans and curses. It was a fearful sight in the pale lights of the station to see those German faces like the faces of maniacs. The confusion was indescribable, as wild as a debacle, the shouts and yells of the non-coms herding the men, the roar of human voices, the tangle of convoy teams, the shrieks of the locomotives, and all this while the blue of night was deepening till the armies became merged into dark mobile walls of humanity, losing individuality. Lights swung about, some high up in the air, others tremulously running a few feet from the ground. Miss Pym kept moving with a tide of men, first one way, then another, till she lost all notion of direction, but she kept her face instinctively turned westward, where a livid band of light yet lingered in the sky. At last she saw the men swarming into trucks and vans. One truck was being crammed with officers. All she could do was to climb on to the footboard and cling desperately to an iron post till they reached Morsela. Then she ran down the line, mounted the cab of the locomotive, and sank down on the coal heap. The battle had been raging throughout the day, and a counter-attack by the Germans would soon be attempted, for the British had advanced along a front of many miles, capturing strong German positions. As the train progressed, the rending explosion of guns and mortars made Miss Pym feel that crossing over to the British lines would be difficult for all her invisibility. What must this day's firing have been, if this is a lull, she thought, when the engine driver called over his shoulder to the fireman that the guns of the English devils were quieting down. The train had now reached its terminus, and Miss Pym was thankful to get out and stretch herself. She had walked the length of the little station when the crash of an explosion sent everyone down flat, like Noah's Ark figures when you shake the table. The forepart of the train had been wrecked. Crowds of soldiers had been saved the trouble of dying on the battlefield. The engine, the driver, and stoker had been scattered in the air and come down in fragments, and overhead was the throb of one of the British airplanes, winging westward in the light of a waning moon, hastening to report at headquarters some damage to a german troop train after the wounded and the dead had been removed the men remaining lay down everywhere along the platform the railway embankment all down the road some began eating others looked to their weapons many drew off their boots and inspected their blisters sergeants marched up and down shouting orders so far as miss pym could make out they were waiting to be joined by further drafts, and all the night wounded men were being brought in by the thousand, and literally piled into open trucks and sent back to Courtrai and beyond. It was a terrible sight, made more terrible by the cruel and callous treatment of the wounded, the brutality shown to their own dying men. Miss Pym could only steady her mind by repeating to herself, almost mechanically, over and over again, I have to finish my job, I must finish my job. 
none of all this must weaken me for my task steady perdita keep your british nerve do not let yourself fail now when everything may depend on your carrying a high heart she sat near a shed crowded with men trying to keep dry for towards dawn a dismal downpour commenced and notwithstanding the immense discomfort she must have been dozing when a bugle sounded and the steady tramp of multitudes roused her stiff and aching she sat up and lo men were moving rhythmically along as far as the eye could reach the march to the front had commenced would it be a long march where was the front could miss pym keep up with the men she asked herself these questions anxiously every lorry every gun carriage was crowded with officers there was no chance whatever of a lift along the muddy road and miss pym went forward with the sullen hungry men who had no stomach for fighting and hoped they might be made prisoners not a man among them believed in victory they advanced mechanically because they must not only were they under the discipline of years but also the discipline which came by inheritance these men believed they were going to their death but they went not from love of fatherland nor for liberty not even for german kultur but because they must they heeded not the harsh words and humiliating blows of their officers after all what were these to the awful voice of the british guns slowly they tramped along in the rain and mud but even so the pace appeared too fast for perdita the pack on her shoulder became leaden her thin cashmere dress trimmed with crape soon became saturated and clung to her impeding her movements but miss pym was not town-bred long country tramps and latterly hard work in the garden had trained her muscles this and the strong desire to win through sustained her and enabled her to keep up with the men when they were halted she took out her rations and forced herself to eat some hours they were kept in a poor village waiting for machine-guns the officers walking up and down using the most frightful language miss pym longed to reveal herself to some poor french peasants hidden in a quarry she could have given them words of hope and comfort and they could have directed her but she was now afraid of being unable to resume invisibility the power had failed her so recently she dared not risk losing it just in sight of the goal the rain had ceased and miss pym somewhat rested decided to venture forward alone if she entered the battle zone with the soldiers the chances were she would fall with them so she left the village and the masses of troops behind her and followed the long muddy highway meeting groups of germans carrying or supporting wounded comrades miss pym frequently stopped her senses bewildered by the thunder of guns the screams of flying shells the awful explosions and the terrible concussions of the air all around her everywhere the country seemed to be falling to pieces and she felt that irresolution that helplessness experienced in earthquakes at last she reached a barren desolation without landmark of any kind 
men with machine-guns crouched in cemented holes or behind shattered walls and then in one mad instant miss pym was banged down upon the ground and lay there some time completely stupefied when she recovered the noise and concussion was so terrific she felt convinced that it would mean instant death to move the whole world seemed to be crashing to its dissolution and there was no reason for thinking one spot safer than another and yet miss pym clung to the little heap of stones behind which she lay and dared not stir hand or foot simply because she had so far escaped injury there where she crouched gazing at the fearful waste she tried to imagine herself crossing it i am now passing along that bit of upright wall i pause by that tree stump and lo as she looked mud and rock shot up and the tree and the wall had disappeared in such an inferno invisibility was no protection the fates had gone mad and were dancing with the furies man stands for nothing thought miss pym this is elemental and everlasting time and order have disappeared forever then suddenly the guns ceased and the silence was more dreadful than the noise because it meant something new miss pym raised her head and far away in the formless desert she saw small specks moving forward singly and in groups leisurely as it seemed to her our men she gasped and as they drew nearer she saw the groups straighten into lines with plan and intention and at the same time out of the earth sprang german soldiers some ran forward with uplifted hands towards the english others fled like madmen towards miss pym but were stayed by a rain of fire and miss pym lay on her face and tasted death for well she knew if that barrage advanced everything living would disappear when she dared to look up again there were no men running only a flutter of rags here and there after another pause miss pym saw in the distance on her left english soldiers running and crouching and again running till they came to a heap of debris and disappeared behind the ruins of what had been a church and then miss pym remembered the great masses of germans already forming up to counter-attack soon they would be trotting up like packs of wolves running with short pants and lolling tongues like wild beasts in a few minutes those daring british boys would be surrounded and obliterated she ran as one runs in dreams with winged feet the bursting shells no longer terrified her she knew that she would reach her countrymen those splendid fellows who had ventured too far ahead and were now in an untenable position only a few yards more and she would be able to tell them of the great counter-attack in time for their retreat but even as she ran she became aware that the german divisions were advancing she climbed over barricades formed by collapsed buildings and saw the enemy rolling forward in masses as she stood there clear against the skyline some sniper's bullet grazed her at the back of the neck another bullet sped through her bonnet she flung herself down 
then crawling and creeping she reached the roofless little church where she found her people hidden twenty soldiers with two machine-guns which they were fitting up to receive the advancing germans a young second lieutenant stared at her and she then realized that her invisibility had gone good heavens a woman and no escape for her now he exclaimed we are cornered here we advanced too far and then we thought we would take this village of vilnikt he explained now i fancy it is all u p our colonel is dying we could hold the place with small reinforcements and we want ammunition and grenades but the germans are on you see that advancing mass oh they have no guns replied the lieutenant we could hold out if we had sufficient ammunition awful hard luck that our people don't know don't realize we are here it's too late now to send men back besides we need every rifle miss pym turned and moved towards a man lying on a pile of soldiers coats near the altar of the shattered church she stooped to view his face and recognized colonel murcott he gazed up at her too far gone for surprise which is only a surface feeling ah he exclaimed you have come back we we must save you he tried to struggle up but miss pym knelt beside him and made him drink from her flask colonel give me your orders i will take them to our lines he shook his head impossible the germans the guns no one could but i can become invisible i will go at once i will get help it is doubtful whether the colonel heard or understood he smiled faintly and murmured you dear miss pym hurried back to the young lieutenant see here i am going to fetch help write me a pencil note quickly what send a woman well not quite let me try said miss pym earnestly if i fail you can try later what is your regiment west kent's replied the lieutenant but it is not to be heard of i am in command here so please go and do what you can for the colonel miss pym saw it was useless talking and she was only in the way every moment was precious the germans were advancing in solid phalanx to the west behind the church stretched a great grey plain gleaming at intervals with livid streaks of light and balls of white or black smoke little bits of masonry stood up here and there beside heaps of rubble with the ribs of roofs sticking up and miss pym knew that she must pass through that fire that there was no way but through that field of death and she also knew that her power had departed and she must go forward visible End of chapter twenty seven